Axis Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Mac. On today's show, a new move to break up big tech and Netflix meets the Oscars. But first, Putin's YouTube problem. So Russian leader Vladimir Putin has spent much of the past 20 years acquiring control, either officially or unofficially, over the flow of information within his country. Initially, that meant getting control of print media and television networks, and later it meant the internet, much of which in Russia is homegrown. But one thing Putin hasn't yet really touched is YouTube. And in Russia, that matters because it's become the go-to platform for Putin critics, and for many younger Russians, it's replaced print and TV for news. That's all according to Russian journalist Andrei Loshak, who tells Axios that Putin faces a very difficult balancing act when it comes to YouTube. On the one hand, he wants to control it like he does everything else. And on the other hand, he worries that any major censorship or shutdown could cause him to lose the support of a key demographic. What to watch now is a new law in Russia that would basically allow Putin to shut off the entire Internet, including YouTube were he to declare it to be in the country's best interest, such as some sort of national emergency. So it seems he is closer than ever before to putting his hands around YouTube's throat, but it remains unclear if he's really willing to squeeze. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Axios World Editor David Lawler. But first, this. Axios Chief Technology Correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech, from the Valley to DC. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the ProRata Podcast. We're joined now by Axios World Editor David Lawler. You wrote recently about how after Putin originally took power, he focused a lot on controlling information through TV networks, but didn't focus until much later on the Internet. On the side of the Internet, what has he done so far to kind of control the flow of information inside of Russia? The arc is basically Putin came to power 20 years ago. In his first couple of years, basically, he managed to bring all of the independent TV networks in Russia, all the big ones under his control more or less. If you're watching TV in Russia, you're more or less seeing Kremlin-approved programming. It's happened in print media as well. There's a lot of self-censorship. But the internet, again, is obviously a place where information has flowed freely. The Russian internet evolved sort of in the same way as the American internet. It was kind of a freewheeling system. And after Putin returned to power in 2012, there were big protests against him. He was looking at for the roots of how that, you know, dissent built up and basically realized the Internet was where people were mobilizing against him. And that's kind of where it began in terms of cracking down on information on the Internet as well. So in terms of domestic giants, Russia has its own big web platforms, its own versions of Facebook, Google. Basically, the, you know, Yandex is a Russian search engine. If you search for something related to Putin, the first results on there, at least according to Andrei Loshak, who's the journalist who sort of guided me through this, he says you'll see stuff that, you know, is basically the Kremlin line first. You have to look harder in order to find dissent and, you know, critical coverage. Yandex, while Russian company, is actually traded in New York on the Nasdaq. As a part of that, explain to me a little bit, and not to get too much into the weeds, but I remember uh, when, when the Iranian protests happened last year, the Iranian government essentially shut off the internet internally, not a site. They basically shut off the internet. Does Putin have the ability inside of Russia to do that? Or is it much more like the U.S. system whereby it's much more distributed? So Putin is building himself essentially an off switch for the global internet. This would be an intranet, basically a domestic internet where 
everything that you are seeing is you know domestically created or at least domestically approved. That is the really kind of scary situation that's happening in Russia right now. Now we haven't seen outages. We haven't seen them. You know, protests happen in Moscow. Boom, we're going to shut off the internet in Moscow. Can he now? In other words, you say it's being built, or he is building it. Do we know? Is it built, or is this like the Death Star, which is kind of half built, half not? Legally, he has authority to do it, and they're testing this system. But you know, I, I mean, I certainly don't have the technical know-how or the insight into the Kremlin to know how far along in the process it is. It's one of those things where you know. So basically, Putin now legally will have the power to say, basically, we're going to shut off the internet. It's going to be North Korea style, basically, right? The outside world is gone, and he says this is on national security grounds. If there's a you know attack of some sort, they can control information. I assume that he doesn't have that off switch today because we would probably be hearing warnings from from people who know better than I do. But this is all pretty murky. I don't think they're going to tell you step by step how close they're getting to this capability. And so this is the lever that he can kind of hold out there and say, if this you know censorship we're trying doesn't work, we're going to have this bigger, badder tool. One of the big things Putin hasn't gone after yet on the internet is YouTube. Why not? So YouTube basically evolved as far as we can tell, outside of Putin's knowledge, I don't think he was tracking it at this time, into an alternative to TV, basically. People under 30, 35 are going to YouTube for entertainment, for news. This is a really key platform, and it's one of the most visited websites in Russia, and this is not content that the Kremlin approves of. So, basically, now the question is, Putin has put pressure on the domestic giants. He's sent warnings to Google and Facebook about the kinds of, you know, the what he wants them to implement in terms of keeping their data in Russia, et cetera. But YouTube, obviously, is is part of the Google empire, but is really the most influential news outlet, if you can call it that, that is completely uncensored by Russia at this point. So Google slash YouTube have not responded positively to Putin's requests? No. So the most recently in 2019, there were these protests in Moscow. YouTube was a big mobilizer for this. The opposition is very active on YouTube. Russia actually sent a letter warning YouTube that they had sent push alerts that related to these protests that were unsanctioned. And they said, if you keep this sort of thing up, there will be repercussions here. But no, YouTube has not basically gone the way of these domestic giants in terms of taking content down and things. But they do face this kind of ominous threat from Putin. The idea of shutting down the internet, particularly when it comes to YouTube, taking YouTube away, particularly for under 30, under 35-year-olds in Russia, how does he balance his desire to censor it, his desire potentially to take it down if he feels the need arises, with what could be the severe backlash from people People who, as you say, rely upon it for news, but also for music and other forms of entertainment. So this journalist, Andre Loshak, who made a documentary about the development of the Russian internet, he basically framed it as, if he gets rid of YouTube, he loses Russians under 30. I don't think it's quite that simple. Does it matter if, a, if essentially an autocrat loses Russians under 30? Putin's empire rests on two big things, right? He needs the elites in Russia to continue to support him. He needs to build this inner circle. But he clearly does think he needs the support support of the people. And every time there's protests, there's a response in Moscow is if it's a threat to the regime. It seems crazy to us this far away, Putin having been in power for 20 years, to think, you know, if a bunch of young people start to mass in the streets and express discontent, that that's a real threat to Putin. But, you know, change can happen fast, particularly in Russia. And he is certainly not keen to lose the support of, of all Russians overnight. 
David, final question for you. When it comes to Google and YouTube, they're not, as you say, not censoring uh, the YouTube videos in Russia. They have, however, been more willing, say, in China to alter search results, et cetera. Is that simply a math calculation? Russia's not as important to market? We also have seen, you know, China's censorship of the internet, you know, they're, they're sort of the gold standard in terms of how far they've gone and what pressure they've been willing to exert. Putin, these, these levers are still being implemented. And so I think that's what people in Russia worry about. They look at what's happened in China and say, if that happens here, you know, the last avenues we have to get information that is not signed off on by the Kremlin will go away. And so maybe it's either scale or it's just that we haven't gotten there yet. David Lawler, editor of Axios World, which you can get at signup.axios.com. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. My final two, right after this. There is more news out there than ever before, but these days, it's harder than ever to find it and to know what to trust. Axios AM takes the effort out of getting smart by synthesizing the 10 stories that will drive the day and telling you why they matter. Subscribe at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the ProRata Podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is Senator Josh Hawley's proposal that the Federal Trade Commission should hand over all of its merger review authority to the U.S. Department of Justice. This would leave a severely shrunken FTC, leave it to focus on digital issues like privacy, while antitrust would become the sole province of the DOJ. And it's interesting timing, given that the FTC just last week blocked Edgewell, owner of Schick Razors, from buying shaving startup Harry's. Now, Hawley, a Republican first-termer from Missouri, is apparently frustrated with the FTC's oversight or lack of oversight of big tech, saying that it lacks teeth and believes there is too much regulatory overlap between it and DOJ. The bottom line, according to Axios's Margaret Harding McGill, is that while the FTC has come under bipartisan pressures, it is a very tall order to basically reimagine an agency created over 100 years ago. And finally, Netflix may now own Hollywood, but it still doesn't own the Oscars. The streaming giant came into last night's Academy Awards ceremony with 22 nominations, but only took home two statuettes, one for Marriage Story supporting actress Laura Dern and another for the documentary American Factory. While it matters is that while the Oscars don't translate directly into subscribers, they do help lure the type of top name talent that eventually does result in subscribers. So at least for now, the big studios and big screens still reign supreme. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great National Umbrella Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.